seconds left. Boston only has a one-point lead. Greer is putting the ball on a play. He gets it out deep and Havlicek steals it. from the parking lot, and Vermont has a 59-55 lead. Swung line drive, let's see him. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the throw to the plate. He is safe. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your engine! It's showtime. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and sports enthusiasts from around the world. This is the podcast you have all been waiting for. Whether listening in the car, on your morning drive, or with one earbud in at the office, this is the sports show that has it all. From pro wrestling to the octagon, from the gridiron to the baseball diamond, from the pitch to the ice, it's all here. You have tuned in to Mount Sterling's most downloaded podcast that drops on Saturdays at 3 a.m. This is not your average podcast. This is From Corner to Corner. And now, here are your hosts. Sean Big Papa Kuyper, Wes Redman Crouch, Adam Big Country Muncie, and Neil Mulletman Payne. And welcome back to another episode of From Corner to Corner. I am your host, Sean, and I'm here tonight with Neil. That was in honor of Adam. He's out here. It's just me and you, buddy. Like old times. Hello. 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 Carlo. 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 This is how we used to do it. We didn't we didn't have all this set up. It's weird. We just had a computer and a microphone that we both talked into. It's been a long time since we've done this. Right. Yeah. Wow. So now we can talk about both of them. We don't need Dumbo Adam or Wes to have a show anymore. Not at all. Not at all. Adam's out of town, and I'm sorry, Wes is out of town, and Adam's son had surgery. Yeah, so so they're they're taking the night off. So, but don't worry, don't worry. The OGs, the creators of From Corner to Corner, Dad One and Dad Two, but not like that. We're not like like we're not a couple, <laughs> but Dad we're friends. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> And we're boys. We're boys. That's my boyfriend. We're not boyfriends. No, 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 you're my boy, and we're friends, so you're my boyfriend. No, no, don't worry. Don't work like that. Ginger Billy's funny. He is funny. If you don't know Ginger Billy, look him up on the TikTok (laughs) or the Facebook. I think he's got them both. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. So, man, I feel like that we have a lot of college basketball to talk about tonight. So, sorry, Frankie. Gonna gonna be a bad night for you, bud. Yeah, Frank, he doesn't like the old basketball talk, but tonight I think we're gonna have to talk about some basketball. There's a lot uh a lot that happened. So we crowned two new champions. Uh the women's side, uh LSU uh won their first national championship. Kim 
Mulkey, even though for weeks I've been calling her Malarkey, <laughs> and Wes tried to correct me, I know that it's Mulkey. I just prefer to say Malarkey. Yeah. Uh, they knocked off Caitlin Clark, who gave it everything that she had in that run to get them to the, cha- the title. We actually had to call a welfare check-in on you after they lost because we didn't <laughs> hear from you. Uh, we thought that you might have hurt yourself. Yeah, well, you know, kind of a fan for sure. I think he's, uh, she's fantastic. And, I mean, she's coming back next year. I think they need to get her some help because, you know, she had to average almost 40 points a game in order to get them there. But as we talked about today for a little bit, with the NIL deals and this transfer portal, it's not just a men's college basketball, men's football thing. Nope. It's it uh, it's affecting the women's side as well. Heck, LSU was full of transfers. Yeah, and, and South Carolina was the only number one seed – Men's or women's that made it to the final four. Right. And lost to Iowa. So their first and only loss of the season. Well, and, and you know, for, for a long time, we look at college basketball like, well, you know, well, first, you know, Tennessee. And then it was UConn. And it seemed like it was going to be South Carolina. They were going to be the next team to fall into that, you know, bar setting program. Yeah. But it looks like there's more parity involved than what. There has been. And I, I saw today, South Carolina has lost four to the NBA to, to uh, between yesterday and today, maybe even five. But I, I I know for sure Boston said yesterday, and then there was three more that was announced today. So, I mean, she, Dawn's going to have to reload, which she's been able to do that uh, with, you know, like I said, the NIL stuff. And, you know, for the longest time, Gino Ariyama was unbeatable. In, in, in this sport, and it's caught up to him. And, you know, he's an older coach. We're seeing the same thing in the men's side. A lot of the older coaches having a, a little bit more difficult of a time dealing with all the transfer portal, dealing with the, the NIL. Because when a girl from high school said, I'm going to UConn, she was at UConn for four years. You might not see her on the court till she was a junior. Well, it ain't like that no more. Well, and that kind of started with, um, what's her name, a few years ago, Deladon. She started at UConn. She left UConn in the middle of the night, goes to her small school. I've, Delaware. Delaware, you're right. Yeah. And then on to, an, uh, on to a WNBA career. So, But now with the transfer portal and NIL deals, it's it's becoming more and more frequent. Yeah. You talked about Don Staley a minute ago. Since you brought Don Staley up, I want to talk about Don Staley. Okay. Don Staley ticks me off. Okay. Because everything that is ever said, she takes personal. Yeah. She also tries to make a lot of things racial. She didn't take it personal when Kim um, uh, Malarkey? Malarkey said that she was going to be in the finals. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that or not. But when after they won the post-conference in the semifinals, she goes, well, LSU's here. And South Carolina's going to be there, too, uh, because we're the SEC. And then Caitlin Clark went out and well, I guess. went nuts on well, South Carolina. So the soundbite that I'm referencing was I was head coach, talked about, and it wasn't necessarily, I didn't take it negatively. She said that it's like playing street ball. And she was meaning it that South Carolina's defenders, they're big, they're strong, they're aggressive. Yeah, and the refs didn't help them. I watched that game. I mean, 
They beat the crap out of those Iowa girls every time they went down the lane. They were on the floor, and they weren't calling fouls or anything. It is a miracle that Iowa won that game. And Don Staley was like, don't talk about my team. How dare you use those things, say those things when you're talking about us. And I'm tired of being trying to put into them. And, you, and I'm like, nobody said it. They said that your, your team plays aggressive. She used the word street ball or whatever. But – for God's sakes, Don Staley, stop taking everything so personal. Just because a coach says something about South Carolina or Don Staley doesn't always mean it's negative. It doesn't always mean that it's racial. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's the society that we're in now. But everybody's got to blame something, you know. But here's the thing. Since you talk about blaming, everybody tried to throw uh, – Tried to throw Angel Reese under the bus. Exactly. And she did the, you can't see me. And then chased her down the down the floor, pointing at her finger where the, where, where the ring's going to be. All right? People were all over her on that. Was she a little out of line? Probably. But Caitlin Clark came out, and when she won the Wooden Award, she said, I don't blame her. Well, and Caitlin Clark had already done that throughout the tournament. Right, like, and 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 you know, people that that not were like, pointing at the finger, but she did that. Well, and and people were like, well, she didn't follow them all after the game was over. Didn't follow, and I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, they got caught up in the emotion. Yeah, you know, we fought so long for the women's sports to be treated like men's sports, right? Yeah, and and we just accept trash talk in the men's sports. Yep, but they're not supposed to trash talk on the women's side. Emmanuel Acho, who I've said on this show, I despise the man. I don't think he's very smart. I don't think a lot of the things he says make a lot of sense. But he came out and he said, if we're okay with Caitlin Clark doing it the previous three rounds, then we have to be okay with somebody doing it to her in the finals. Yeah. And he said, and it probably doesn't happen had she not done it the three previous rounds. Well, and it's like she had their high-level athletes – High-level athletes, I don't know if you know this or not, they talk trash. Yeah. So, yeah. I see no problem in it. I don't know. I, I was one that did not have a problem. Now, I will say she that... She probably did a little too much she of pr- it. She probably took it a little far. But she probably didn't need to follow her all the way down the court. But even with that, okay, listen, I just won the national championship over you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about it because you've been telling everybody else about it for the previous four rounds. Yeah. I mean, she looked at the Louisville girl, who also is a trash talker, and she looked there and she said, you're down 15 points. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Louisville player was still talking trash. Yeah. It's okay. It's not okay to talk trash when you're down 15 points and getting ready to lose, though. Listen, I ain't going to say much because this may surprise you, but in my athletic days, I could talk some mean trash. <laughs> and It, it was, doesn't surprise me at all. Really? Yeah. I figured that would surprise you. No. Whether we might be up 15 goals, we might be down 15 goals. Doesn't matter. You ain't going to shut me up. I'm still talking trash. I'll find something that you did very poorly, and I'll and I'll let you have it. Yeah. But I thought I, you, you had touched on a little bit that the women's numbers, especially for a championship game, were higher than the men's. Yeah. There's parity. There's characters. There's play. Like, well, it's not a – 42-0 and 0 Connecticut team that's won 117 games in a row and two national championships going for their third. People don't want to see that. No. And, I mean, it's a phenomenal feat. And I know those numbers are skewed, but 
but you they're get, not off that much. Yeah, you get the point. They won like three national championships in a row, and they were undefeated well over a hundred games. So, but so you get what I mean. Nobody wanted to see that, right? I mean, it's up, but it's kind of the point of you want to see you want to see somebody take down the champion, and. Throughout the entire season, South Carolina looked unbeatable. Well, there were times that we love when our Blue Bloods, and we're going to talk about Blue Bloods in more in depth later, but we love when our Blue Bloods win. I mean, we've talked about college football till we're blue in the face, right. and we tell you that college football is better when your programs like USC, Texas, Nebraska, no matter what Wes or Adam Go thinks. Go Oscars. Okay, they're a Blue Blood. I ordered a Nebraska license plate last night. That doesn't surprise me. but And it doesn't surprise them either. Uh, they're not here. But um, <laughs> college football is better when those teams are good. Yeah. College basketball on the women's side is better when there's more options than just UConn and South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Caitlin Clark and now Angel Reese have been the forefront of of conversation of college basketball, not just for college basketball. Three days, sports conversation. Yeah, for three days. That is nothing but greatness for the women's basketball game. I will say, as a person who, admittedly, does not watch a lot of women's basketball. Yeah. Personally, because at times I find it boring. If you can't find exciting things that happen in the women's college basketball season, specifically the NCAA tournament, then you're blind. In the Final Four, the game South Carolina and and Iowa played, Caitlin Clark single-handedly scored the last 14 points in that game. And she did whatever she wanted to do. I mean, South Carolina would be all over her. Next thing you know, she's wide open for a layup down the lane. Or she was making great passes. I mean, it was insane. I mean, it really was insane. It's I mean, like would watching you th- a female Steph Curry out Would there. you think, if people listen to our coaches' show, we had uh, Coach Dustin High and uh, Senior Ella Rout on our team. Yeah. Would, I mean, are you saying that, that – Caitlin Clark was threading the needle like Ella Rout used to? She was. She absolutely was. I mean, so high-level IQs. Yes. Like, you can tell. And, of course, to play at that level, yeah. you got to have a high-level basketball yeah. IQ. But it just it just felt different, don't you like? It did. Because it wasn't what we were used well, to. I can tell you this much. It was the first time ever that I was – I can't wait till the game comes on. I watched every minute of it. I even turned it off of SmackDown so I could watch that game because it was the most highly anticipated game in ever. Yeah, <laughs> probably ever. I mean, it really was because you had the storyline: David versus Goliath. You had Caitlin Clark. Yeah. You had the Juggernaut in South Carolina, who had not lost a game all year and had a winning streak going back to. The last time they lost was Kentucky in the SEC tournament last year. They were forty something to zero. Yeah, and so they won. They won the national championship last year and had won every single game up to the final four this year. Yeah, and it wasn't even close. Right. And they were never. I mean, they were in that game. It was a competitive game, but it always just felt like it was Iowa's game. They were up big. I was up big the whole first half. 
I mean, it was just well, and it you just know, felt different. And you know, talking about Coach High, the coaches show. If we can keep that going on the women's side, that's only going to benefit high school girls high school basketball right right absolutely so uh, having that parity is good yeah so hopefully coming into this next season we can keep that going and with and with players like Caitlin Clark still playing yeah I lead uh, that leads me to believe that we will and I mean I told you my Caitlin Clark story that I heard yeah that in her hometown they apparently didn't have girls AAU teams so she played on a boys AAU team and was crushing them to the point that the boys' parents were complaining, were complaining that she was too good. <laughs> Get that girl off this boys' teams. He's she's making us look bad. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Yeah. In this transgender era, that when males can't compete on the male side, they say they're a female and go compete on the female side. Yeah. We had a female that was just crushing dudes on the basketball court at an AAU level. Yeah. AAU's pretty good. If like most AAU teams are pretty good. I haven't looked. Is she from Iowa? Cuz I mean, how do you wind up how does she wind up at Iowa and not one of the blue blood type schools unless she's from Iowa? I mean, let's see. It says that she is from Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. So she's playing for the, the team that she's rooted for her whole life, I would say. Yep. That's awesome that she plays there. And she's coming back. Did I tell you that? You, you've, you've said that a time or two, yeah, just on this coming, show. She's coming back. Is she? Yeah, she is. So I wonder if Caitlin Clark's going to come back next she's, year. Uh, she's coming back. She is? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so, on the men's side, UConn wins their fifth national championship in the past 25 years. So the argument that has been – all over the radio here lately is, are they now a blue blood? Yes. And if you look at them versus everyone else, nobody else has five national championships in the last 25 years. Duke does, right? Nope. They do not have five in the last 25 years. They do have five overall, but early 90s. But we're talking from 99 till, till now. Makes sense. And... Uh, I think Duke and North Carolina both have three. And then Villanova has two. And then there's several with one. Uh, I'm sorry, Florida has two as well. But I was telling you this earlier, the argument that people are making against this is the fact that there's been eight times that they haven't made the tournament. So they're like, can they really be a blue butt? Well, the point you said was, okay, well, if you take eight away, that's 17. That's that means- five national titles in 17 years. <laughs> right. That's almost once every three years you're winning the national championship. Yeah, so they have a 33% chance of winning the national championship if they make the tournament. You better not want them to make the tournament. Right. So the majority of their team is returning, and they have the fourth recruiting class coming in, or the number four recruiting class coming in. The boys are going to be back next year. I really like Danny Hurley. I do, too. I like Danny Hurley's story. Yeah. You know, we talked about it a little bit a week or so ago. It's a guy who thought he was a lifelong high school basketball coach. Um, that's what his dad did. That's what he was going to do. 
got the chance at Rhode Island, maybe somewhere before then, had great success there. We, we, we said that Rhode Island was a, you know, that's a catapult school for a lot of coaches, yeah. programs like that. Uh, so he got the chance. Kevin Ollie flopped after his one magical run at UConn. After Shabazz Napier left, he kind of flopped. They got rid of him. Danny Hurley fell in their lap. And, boy, are they glad they hired Danny Hurley now. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I think he's been there, is it five years, I think? And they've made the tournament the last three. <laughs> like, well, they're one out of three. Like, and, I mean, they were a four seed, never played a one or a two. Like, that's a big argument they've had, too. But, look. All you can play is who's in front of you. Exactly. When 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 you're playing the NCAA tournament, there's 68 teams in there. You have to play who's in front. Here's of what I can tell you: is every time UConn was on the floor, they were the best team. Oh yeah, they they won by more than tw- uh, uh, ten points every game. Yeah, they and 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 you, you and I and I had talked with Wes and Adam that from the first game. Yeah, UConn's good. Yeah, well. And then the national championship game against San Diego, they were never in it. They got to within five points with like ten minutes to go, but that was the closest they ever got. And unfortunately, I think FAU would have been in the same situation. Yeah. Um, well, FAU could shoot better than San Diego State, but San Diego State was not able to play the game that they like to play, and that was like they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't make, muddy up the game against they could, them. They could not. And, and not enough to where that they were missing. Yeah. They weren't missing. I mean, because that's what San Diego State does is they they don't do anything well except muddy up the game. And that's that's what they do. They they, they make the game as ugly as they possibly can. Uh, and they had great success with that. Obviously, it took them to the national championship game. Uh, but you talked about UConn returning a lot of their players plus having the number four recruiting class. In all your way too early top 25s and, and national championship uh, pr- predictors for next year. UConn's at the top, right? Followed by Duke and Kentucky, and so it'll be interesting to see if they have if Danny Hurley has sustained success. Yeah, I hope he does. I'm rooting for him. I uh, again, I like Danny Hurley, but to answer your initial question, is UConn a blue blood? I think they are. I think when you look at blue bloods in college basketball, you have Kansas. Yeah. The all-time wins leader. You have Kentucky. You have North Carolina. Which, by the way, up until 2015, Kentucky owned that all-time wins thing. You have Duke. Mm-hmm. Those are the four lock blue yeah. bloods. Yeah. People will say Villanova. Yeah, but I, mean, I think Villanova's Jay Wright. Yeah, and Villanova's the last ten years. Um, you know. People, yes, yes, they won the national championship in 1985 as a uh, a Cinderella with with you know. with uh, Raleigh Fingers or whoever was their coach. Ed, oh yeah, and Ed Pick, Pickney. Was yeah, the, right. Yeah, Ed Pickett Fence and Raleigh Fingers. Nobody cares about them. Yeah, um, a lot of people are arguing UCLA, but I mean, what have they been? What have they done since John Wooden? Right, they have won national championship. One national title. Ninety five. Cameron think. Dollar. Ed O'Bannon, jerk. That's the reason we don't have college basketball games. It's also the reason why we have NIL right now. Yeah, well, he's still a jerk. Yeah, he is. Um, People argue Indiana. Yeah. Again, what have they done since Bob Knight left? They went to the national championship game one time with Mike Davis. They lost to Duke. 
I don't know. That that shows you how how much of a mark that is. So since Bobby Knight left, yeah, they've been to one national championship game. And I, look, they're getting better. They're they're getting better now. I think they made the right hire, in Mike Woodson. I do too. Um, but I I I'll be honest with you. I think the list is those four that I those named. four and Connecticut and UConn. I think there's five blue bloods. Yeah, and Connecticut had made the move out of the Big East a few years ago because of the football program. Mm-hmm. Okay, well they're not a football school, right? Okay, and they finally figured that out, right? And made the switch back to the Big East. They put their football team as an independent. Because they know that their cash cow is their basketball program. Men's and women's, yes. yes. So, I don't know who made that initial decision, but it didn't work. So, now they're back in the Big East. And everybody argues about the Big Ten basketball and uh, Big 12 basketball. Big East basketball it's where it's at. Big East basketball. Yeah. I mean, we had the potential of having three uh, well, I mean, you had Marquette was the number two. Creighton was just on the verge of getting to the Elite Eight. I mean, they, they're the ones that lost to uh, San Diego State, barely. Um, so, Big East basketball has always been the, the big deal, and it's going to continue to well, be Well, I mean, deal. bringing Ed Cooley, who had success at Providence, to a bigger school at George, as Georgetown. Rick Pitino coming, coming in. Saint Saint Listen, don't sleep. Li- and, and you're right. Everybody always, it's like, oh, the ACC's good in basketball this year. Oh, the Big 12, they're good in basketball. Oh, Big 10. Oh, SEC. No. Oh, Big East. Like, that's that's the basketball. That is where big boy basketball is played. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, throughout, even prior to Jim Calhoun winning that first national championship. Thanks a lot, Rip Hamilton. They were, they were always – competitive you know and you know they were always a fun team to to watch so i i like it i I, i'm glad that he has found success there his brother is starting to find success in at arizona state as well um and so i really enjoyed seeing the highlights of bobby and danny on the same coaching staff because bobby was on danny's coaching staff for a little while i believe Somewhere, maybe at Rhode Island or something. But they're both two fiery dudes, and they were both up just yelling and screaming all the time. And I was, and I, and I laughed. I was like, "You can't have two coaches that are both up yelling and screaming like that. Doesn't work well." So they, you know, they ultimately had to uh, had to split. But you're exactly right. Bobby looks like he's got things going the right direction. At Arizona State. Um, I don't like Bobby Hurley because I hated Bobby Hurley as a player. Right. I think Danny's the much better Hurley. Yeah. Um, but I think personalities like that are good for the game of college. Yeah. No matter no matter the sport, personalities like that are good for college athletics. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we, we – Looking forward, you you mentioned a while ago the the not too not too soon rankings. There is going to be a lot of change come next season. You've got teams leaving the American going to the Big Twelve, i.e. Cincinnati, uh, Houston, Houston. Um, South Florida, South, um, or is it Central? It's one of the Floridas. I think it's Central Florida. And then I didn't realize this, but you have 
North Texas, who just won the NIT. You have FAU, who just made the Final Four. You have um, UAB, who was also in, in the national in, in the in NIT the championship Final game. Four or, or yeah championship game. Uh, yeah. Who was the uh, Conference USA school that won the uh, the CBI? Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. But those other three schools, there's another one I can't remember who it is. They're all moving from the Conference USA, and I think they're going to the American. Oh. So you talk about, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, of, of change there. Dusty Dusty May, uh, I almost said Dusty High, uh, Dusty May is missed out on an opportunity to get that new job this year. We, we know he probably is the first one gone next year, right? But, like, he has to fight for his life because he's got his seven main guys that can come back. Now he's got to try to fend off all the blue bloods, air quotes, to keep them from taking his guys because he's moving up in conference challenge. Mm-hmm. And and now he's got to be able to keep that going. I do feel like that losing a Cincinnati and a Houston and uh, Central Florida, and I, there's another one. I can't remember who uh, – BYU that's going to the Big 12, maybe? Maybe. I do feel like losing those three teams, and maybe that's just the three teams that are coming in from Conference USA. From the American, you mean? From Conference USA to the American. You know, three going out, three coming in. I do feel like that it weakens the American a little bit. I'm not so sure that it strengthens the Big 12 a lot, though, because like Houston has dominated the American the last couple years. What are they going to do in the Big 12 against Kansas? Kansas, Baylor, Texas. I mean, I mean, they only had to they only defend with Texas and Oklahoma for a year before they come over to the SEC. That's true. But the Big 12 in basketball when you got Kansas, you got Oklahoma State, you got uh Baylor, I mean TCU, I mean Jamie Dixon's got it cooking there at TCU. Can, did you say Kansas State? Kansas yeah. State like it's still a tough basketball conference. Yeah. I mean, you could see a Houston team who's averaged thirty and three the last couple of years drop down to a twenty two, twenty three win team. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of the actual conference they're in. And they should expect that next year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the the the, the biggest question is is Kelvin Sampson kinda said he didn't know how much longer he was gonna do this. So then, then you get into that that role. Play. Well, and I think, and I, we've talked about this on this show. I think his son, who's on staff there, is primed to take that job whenever he leaves. <coughs> so, one of the questions that I threw out at you this morning, since we're still talking men's college basketball, and I answered it like a champ, by the way. When you, you, you did, and so I, I expect a, a repeat of performance here. Let's uh, let's play a little a little game here, okay? Because we're talk we were talking about coaching, okay? So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna leave the rosters exactly as they are, okay? Nothing ever changes other than the coaching, okay? Let's use mm, Kentucky as a as a reference. How about that? Wait, are you just using Kentucky because you don't like Calipari? No, not at all. As I'm shaking up and down. Um, no, I, I'm not. I'm just thinking that a lot of people argue, me included, that Kentucky should have won more national championships. Yes. Right? Yes. So, 
if you took the tenure of John Calipari since at Kentucky. Two, since 2010. 2010. Some really good teams that we've had during that stretch. Calipari has one national championship and what, three Final Four appearances, I think. Something like that. If Coach K was the head coach of those same teams, how many national championships does he have? Coach K? Yeah. At least four. Okay. Maybe five. And you're thinking definitely with Anthony Davis. Well, yeah. They, I mean, I, he wins that one. Probably. The John Wall year. The first year with John Wall. Uh, the Carl Anthony Towns year. Yeah. Where they went 38-0. Yeah, and then lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. Um, he probably goes undefeated. And then what about the team that lost to – Shabazz uh, Napier. Yeah. Uh, with Randall and Har- the Harrison Twins and uh, Booker, I think, was on that. Tyler Eulis. Yeah. Um, I think he definitely wins those four. What about this year's team? Do we see a better performance from this year's team? I think he actually does better with last year's team. Yeah. Yeah. So, what about Roy Williams? Roy Williams, uh, here's what I'm going to say. He probably wins two. Any Well, I'm going to say three. Yeah. Because I think any coach that's a good coach is going to win in, in 10 with John Wall, 12 with Anthony Davis, and 15, was it 15, 14 or 15, with Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Like, I think those three should have been lock national titles. Yeah. Jay Wright definitely wins those three national championships. Bill Self wins those three. Yeah. I mean, like – any coach not named John Calipari <laughs> has at least three national titles. Yeah, yeah. It and and look. I mean, even it, this is not a bash Calipari thing. Even as We're boring as how, Tom Izzo is, how important coaching is. Tom Izzo is a great example of that. What about Mark Few? We talked about him last week. Does Mark Few win a national championship with at least one of those teams? Yes. The Anthony Davis team. Yes. Yeah. He probably wins two. Yeah. With the Carl Anthony Towns. I think I think of those three teams, the John Wall team is, is the number three. Because they didn't have a shooter. They didn't, but they had everything else. <laughs> they did. They did. They they had uh DeMarcus Cousins who could do anything inside John Wall and Bledsoe could get to the rim anytime. Patrick they Patterson. I mean that was the year that you look back at that team, when Cal got hired after the Billy Gillespie error, um Patrick Patterson recommitted to come back. He lost Jody Meeks. If you have Jody Meeks on that team, the shooter that Jody Meeks was, you know, we probably win the national title. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Adam and Joy talk about this. Bob Huggins. If Bob Huggins coached that team, coached those teams, he probably has to. Is he a disappointment as a head coach? Bob Huggins? Yeah. Probably. Because, I mean, he should have won with the Cincinnati team, and he did. Well, that also – get hurt. Uh, yeah, I mean, the best player in the country that year uh, towards ACL. Yeah, what was that? Kenya Martin? Kenya yeah. Martin. Um, yeah, that one sucked. That did. They, they probably win the national title that year. Um, he's won a lot of games. He's basically Jim Beheim without a national title. Yeah. And Jim Beheim doesn't get that national title if he doesn't get Carmelo Anthony. That's, tr- that's true. And I mean, now he made two national championship games. He lost – uh, to Bob Knight in '87, right? Steve Alford. So, so um, show my age there, right? So Jim Beheim, 
he probably doesn't have any more national championships at Kentucky than Cal does. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but I mean, Rick Pitino probably has at least two, if not three. Yeah. My biggest knock who on who's the guy that uh, who was the guy that coached UCLA when they played against Florida those two years? Ben Hallett. Yeah. What about him? Maybe I mean, he had. Of course, you went up against the Florida team, who was a juggernaut, right? I mean, that's another one right there, right? Billy Donovan on that UK team wins at least three national. Billy teams. Donovan's up there with Coach K, and probably has four or five. Yeah, yeah. Um, Billy Donovan leaving the college game was a tremendous loss. Yes, because you look at and and you and and it, and it is even more of a loss now. Because you look, we're losing Coach K. We lost Roy Williams. Cal's on his last leg. Izzo's on his last leg. And he's really not doing that great in the NBA. Billy Donovan's a college basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah. And he would be primed. And, I mean, you look at Jay Wright when Jay Wright walked away. Jay Wright still has, time, like, years left, man. Yeah. Compared to what the ages of these other guys. Like, you you had that group of coaches that were that would be ready to take that the ball and run with it. Yeah. And and be the the elders, the you know the stalwarts, and they've left. Yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 right. You're right. And but you know, a lot of people they didn't watch. They didn't watch this year because it was Connecticut and San Diego State, right? But I'm looking at it going. This was probably one of the most exciting. NCAA tournaments that I've ever seen because you literally like I would I would venture to say there was 30 plus teams in that tournament that could have won the national championship had the cards fallen in the right direction for them right and you normally cannot say that last year Kansas Duke North Carolina's run and Villanova they were the four best teams in the country last year at the end of the day and Kansas, who was the best team all year long, won the national championship. If Bill Self doesn't have his heart issue and is there the entire time, does Kansas last longer in the tournament than they did? Yes. I agree. Yeah. I don't know that they win. I, you, you and I had talked on this show even that Kansas was playing about as good as anybody in the country did or was. So I think Kansas would have had a real chance to – Make a deep run. I agree. I agree. Um, so, let's see. What else have we got in mind for tonight? Um, well, I mean, before we move on from college basketball, I ask you this question. Was the shot San Diego State hit in the Final Four against FAU the biggest heartbreaker in the NCAA tournament? As a Kentucky fan, I told you it'd be really hard to argue against the the Leitner shot, but I understand your point. The Leitner shot was to get Kentucky to the Final Four. The FAU uh, loss was to get to the national championship game on a number nine seeded team that was making a Cinderella run to to get there. And I mean, you look at Duke, Kentucky. At that point, both I mean, Duke was the defending national champion. Kentucky had been, been there before. So, like, you're talking about two programs that both – doesn't make it any less heartbreaking. But 
the San Diego State like shot it legitimately ripped the hearts out of and, Boca Raton. And that was that was Patino with a team full of guys from Kentucky, you know, and Jamal Mashburn. Yeah, so uh, that was. That was our. That's why that was such a heartbreak. Was it? It was because it's the unforgettables. It's it was. you know, it's Pelfrey, it's Felthouse, it's yeah. Farmer. Yeah, yeah, and Jamal Mashburn. Yeah, like you look at that team, it's like who was a beast? He was a, the monster mash man. Yeah, my favorite Kentucky poster is of Jamal Mashburn flexing with the flat ball in between his arm. Yeah, and uh, you know his on his muscle. I actually met him one time in Lexington. Super dude. He was. He's a super dude. And would have had a great NBA career. Had a decent one. Injuries derailed it. Yep. But when you look at when it happened, the programs it happened to, obviously the national championship game, Villanova hit that shot to win the game a few years ago. That's got to be a big one, right? But that game was going to overtime. And it wasn't the first national championship that Villanova had won, and it wasn't the first national championship game that North, uh, North Carolina had lost. Right. I think when you consider everything about it, the the San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, the yeah. shot yeah. is the new shot in college basketball. Like yeah. that was the shot. It was it was ranked number six on the uh, ESPN, you know, top ten uh, NCAA tournament. They're stupid. Yeah, it was number six. Leitner was number one. Oh yeah, yeah, it always is. Yeah, yeah it always is. You know. As a, I think they had the Tyus Edney layup ranked higher than that. Wasn't it Cameron Dollar? No, it was Tyus Edney. I believe it was Cameron Dollar. We'll look it up when we get off the show. Yeah. yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was Cameron Dollar. Yeah. I'm going to bet you at Cameron Dollar it was Tyus Edney. Okay. <laughs> so, but uh, if we're talking about the same one where they drives the length of the court against Missouri and lays it up as the time expires. Yeah. That was Tyus Edney. Hmm, I thought it was Cameron Dollar. So, and then the – Speaking of UConn, there was a UConn shot by Tate George in the same 92 uh, tournament with that Kentucky got. Uh, was the Richard Hamilton buzzer beater in the 99 tournament not there? I did not see that on the list, but I missed the first three or four, so it could have been. Hey, Richard, and I'm but sure. It definitely wasn't in the top six. I'm sure Bryce Drew was probably there. Valparaiso against I'm Ole sure Miss. It was. Yeah. I didn't see that one either, but it, I'm sure it was probably around 10. So, but anyways. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty fun. Um, tell us your thoughts on that. You know, comment on there. Let us know. I mean, I know Kentucky fans are going to have a hard time wiping that out of their memory because, well, they won't let it go because every time the NCAA comes on on CBS, it shows it again. So, all right. What about baseball? You want to talk, what about baseball? You want to talk about some of these new baseball rules? Well, of course I do. The most prominent one has to be the pitch clock, right? Yes. Like, and you think about it, when when you first hear it, you're like, well, that's not going to make that big a difference. They're averaging 30 minutes less a game right now. Right. They are moving faster. There was a game last night that a pitcher pitched a complete game shutout an hour and 52 minutes. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you haven't even got to your third beer and fourth hot dog in that time frame. I mean, that's it. Right, if you try to do the nine 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 challenge, uh, one beer, one hot dog, one inning, you're going to struggle getting that done in an hour fifty two minutes. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to take. Uh, you're chugging those things two at a time, and you're taking like two bites of hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, some of the hot dogs that you see at some of these ballparks aren't that big anyway. They're not. That's what she said. <laughs> Softball. <laughs> but there, you, you, so like Manny Machado got thrown out of a game because, you know, they've taken away the opportunity for these guys to adjust their their wrist straps and their gloves and all that stuff. He didn't even step out of the box. You can't step out of the box that much now. And so once the pitch clock hits eight, Pitcher has to be ready. Batter has to be be ready. So he's sitting here adjusting his uh, gloves with the bat on his shoulder. Pitch clock hits seven. Strike, automatic strikeout. And then he gets mad and gets tossed out of the game. And I'm like, you know, it's really – I mean, you, you talk about these guys have done these same rituals their entire career. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I shared the video that, with you the other day, but um, there was – I can't remember the pitcher – was it Bassett? I think um, they showed him last year versus this year in the same amount of time frame. He threw four pitches this year versus one pitch last year because he kept shaking them off and and stepping off, and the batter would step out and step back in. It was like a, I want to say it was two minutes. And he had one pitch in two minutes last year versus four pitches in two minutes this year. Yeah. And, I mean, you just think about and And there's literally – they weren't doing anything, you know. And then uh, you mentioned something about Ronald Acuna last night. Basically got a free stolen base. Well, before we get to the stolen bases, um, you think about guys like Nomar Garciaparra. Yeah. And his little ridiculous thing (laughs) that he would do. Yeah. He would never get it – like – a lot of that was ridiculous. Yes. Because a lot of things he wasn't even adjusting anything. He was touching things. So it was yeah. like, but there has to be a happy medium somewhere. Because you're right. Like, these players do have rituals that we can't just, it's like the sticky ball substance. Yeah. You had players that were that were using this, and it wasn't illegal. And then you say, you can't use it at all. And then, like, there there were players that immediately got hurt. Tyler Glass now still hasn't come back. Yeah, yeah. So, but on an injury level thing, a thought process though, right? These guys are getting, is it is it 20 seconds? I yes, think? 20 seconds. 20 seconds from the moment they get their the ball thrown back to them. They have 20 seconds to get in position to throw. Do we not see the potential of pitchers throwing their arms out because they're throwing – that hard and so quickly, they're not even giving their shoulder an opportunity to, to relax. Yeah. I mean. Well, and then Nestor Cortez got a warning the other day because he pitched too fast because you can't pitch it within, like, part of the clock. You can't pitch it in a certain I – right. I don't know the rule exactly. So then the next one, he does all these little leg kick things when he winds up. Yeah. The next one, he went on and, he went on and wound up, and then he did, like, a leg kick for, like – I don't know, 17 seconds. <laughs> it was so bad that it made the batter laugh. <laughs> and, and and look, part of this is a joke. Yeah. Right? I here's Here's the argument against it, right? People that are true baseball fans understood they were going to a baseball game for three hours. Yes. I don't know that you're gaining more fans because you're shortening the game by 30 minutes. 
Is it, though, are they trying to catch on to some of what the Savannah Bananas are doing? Well, that's a, a team of their own. Well, right? right. I mean, they have their own rules. It's banana ball. Yeah. And, I mean, at first, I didn't realize what exactly the Savannah Bananas was, right? But the team they play against, they're traveling just like the Harlem. They're the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Yes. Because they're all Savannah players. The guys in the pink uniforms are, are you know, they're all part of the same team. Yeah. But and what a phenomenal story. Yes. And we can't get our equipment to work right because we personally know. The young professor. If you listen professor. to our show, our intro is done by the young professor. Yeah. And he is. The for, MC. Yeah, he's the MC for them, travels with them. Like, to me, it's the biggest gig he's got, right? Yeah. And and his follows on social media are growing more and more and more, and and the, our intro is mimicked off of a of, of an intro that he does for Banana Ball, and because we heard it and we're like, that's it, right? That so he wrote it. He wrote our intro. We didn't have anything to do with it. He wrote it. And he sent it to me. I just so happened to put the music to it. Right. And uh, and I think it's phenomenal. It gives me cold chills every time I hear it. <laughs> and but he's such a great guy, and we want to get him on to talk about banana ball, but we we can't figure out how to get the phone to work through our system. So right. That didn't happen this year. This It'll this happen year. though. But we will get that done. And but but like you said, they've kind of cornered the mark. Like they have a million people on their waiting list. Yes. You can't. Be Major League Baseball and expect to do the Savannah Banana. That'd be like the NBA trying to incorporate what the Harlem Globetrotters do. Right, right. So, yes, there had to be some rule changes. Because it all goes back to, you know, fan experience, right? I got several kids. Anybody listens to this show knows that I have several kids. At least 18. At least, depending on the day of the week. And if I were to take my kids to a baseball game, one, it's going to be outrageous in price. But two, my kids aren't going to sit there for three hours in the blistering sun and not be whiny, fussy. So if we can shorten the game and make it move a little quicker, I'm all for that. Right. But at what expense is, right. is all this happening? Yeah. And so then the rule that you talked about that you just brought up before I, before I cut you off, so now during uh, when a player is on the base – if Sean Kuyper is on first base, while you're on first base, I have two pickoff attempts. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, we've seen as many as ten sometimes. Well, heck, I've played MLB Road to the Show, and I've had the pitcher throw at least five or six straight pickoff, and I never create a speedster. The guy's never stealing a base. Yeah. And they'll try to pick me off. Pick me off. And I'm like, for the love of Pete, can we do something else? (laughs) I'm not running. Right. Like, I just want to stand, like, yell at him. That'd be me if I was, I'm not running. (laughs) But, um, so now they have two pickoff attempts. Ronald Acuna. And I think on the third one. you like I, I forget how it works. When you throw it over the third time. You have to get the I get the batter out, or they get like I don't know. Anyway, 
So let's just focus on the two. You got two pickoff attempts. After two, you can't throw it over to the base anymore. Right. While the player has that base. Yeah. So Ronald Acuna, second pickoff attempt, he looks at the base coach and said, that's two, right? You can see him hold up two fingers. And they're like, yep. So then you get the pitcher. He gets into his windup. Off Ronald Acuna goes because he can't throw it over anymore. Right. And and the only way you could do a pickoff is to throw it to the catcher who would have to throw it to first base. And by that time, Ronald Acuna is already standing on second base, which they made the bases bigger too, right? Yes. So while you were talking, I had this vision in my head. Could you imagine Ricky Henderson – with these rules. Oh, Jesus. I mean, he's already untouchable. He just stole 300 bases. <laughs> In a season. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it, it would be insane. He would have stole. Can you imagine how many times he would have stole home base? <laughs> yeah, <I> know, right. <laughs> you, you know, he tried to pick me off twice. Yeah. Yeah. And he's standing three quarters of the way down the lane. Yeah. Or. And he's like, as soon as the pitcher lets it go, he's like, I'm just going to walk across the home plate. Right. Because he's just going to, after that second pickoff, he's just going to extend his lead, so, which is basically what Ronald Acuna did. Yeah. So the second pickoff tip came, he just extended his lead. It was like, I mean, he might as well yell at the pitcher, hey, I'm still in second base. <laughs> yeah. Here I go. Which we talk about un- untouchable records. Yeah. Ricky Henderson has an untouchable record. Yeah. But we might get back to a spot now where we see a guy steal 70 or 80 bases. Yeah. Well, I I knew of this rule. I studied this rule. I drafted my dynasty or my dynasty, my uh, baseball team around this rule. I'm leading the league in stolen bases, and we're not even a weekend. I've had three more today. Yeah. Because they – they basically projected that stolen bases was going to go up, and they are dramatically up. Yeah, because, like you said, you better be you better nail that pickoff move yep. on the first or second attempt, or you're screwed. Yep. I, to me, I'm probably throwing it one time. I'm throwing a pickoff. I'm, I'm holding that one because at least if you hold the one, there's a less likelihood that you're going to do that. And you'll see as the year goes on. Things will even back out. So. Yeah, it's all learning right yep. now. And, you know, all of this stuff was tested in the minor leagues over the last couple of years. So so we'll, we'll get there. You know, I'm, I'm sure this stuff is, is kind of early on. I just hope we don't see an, in, an increase in injuries because of it. You yep. know, now we are seeing a lot of runs scored right now. Uh but it's kind of been that way here recently which, anyway. Which which does not help the pitcher ERA. It does not. It definitely But, does I mean, not. we're to a point now where if you have a pitcher that basically is under a four ERA, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And think about that. Like, we're to a point now in baseball where if your pitcher just gives up fewer than four runs, he's a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, and then you, you know. Can you imagine, like, you're a Braves guy. Can you imagine if that was Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox's thought process? Listen, guys, if we just give up less than four runs, right. we'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, those guys were like, if we gave up a run, yeah, they were mad. Yeah. And so. if you give up two, pull me, coach. Yank me out. <laughs> right. I don't have it today. Heck, we got guys that give up seven runs, and the and the manager's like, "No, no, no, you're fine. Stay out there. You you just keep pitching, buddy." 
We need another inning out of you. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it figured out. The, the the worst one is when they've went five and a third inning of shutout ball, and they pull them because they hit their pitch count, and then they miss out on that quality. The quality worst start. one, even worse than that, is where they've thrown six innings of quality, no hit, no run baseball, and they decide to trot them back out there for the yeah. seventh, and they give up four runs <laughs> on the fr- on like. Before they record an out, yeah, it's like you sorry dogs. <laughs> when I was playing, for, and I would, and I'd be following along, and they would, and my pitchers would come back out for the seventh inning. I was like, well, there that goes. Forget that, then they're gonna blow up now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of changes to the, to the baseball rules for sure, and I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Speaking of changes. The w- changes. The WWE uh, sold this week. Are you going to talk about this? I mean, don't we have to? Yes. UFC Endeavor, the Endeavor uh, investment group that owns UFC now owns the WWE. Well, 40, 51% of it anyways. Um, and that happens over WrestleMania weekend. And the first thing that we see is an interview from Vince McMahon saying that he was no longer going to be in the weeds of creative, only at a higher level. And then all we heard coming out of Monday Night Raw was how Vince was in Gorilla, making on-the-fly changes, rewriting the show. We've seen videos all day long. Of things that changed. There were supposed to have been appearances that didn't happen. There were segments that were supposed to happen that got cut short. And we find out that Vince was back in control well, on Monday night. So we know that a lot of our fans and listeners aren't wrestling fans, but a good portion of them are. And this isn't necessarily about wrestling. Yeah. This is major news. Yeah, hang tight with us. We've got a couple other segments. We just had to touch right. on Right. I mean, you talk about a company that sold for $9.3 billion. For just 51%. For 51%. You didn't buy the whole company. Yeah. You just bought majority ownership of a company for nine. So, it's with that estimation, it's estimated at about $18 billion. Yeah. So, it's a huge deal. Yeah. First thing, if you haven't done so, go out and Google search Vince McMahon's mustache. Oh, my gosh. It's one of the worst things yeah. I've ever seen it, in my it's life. It's creepy. So, we're wrestling fans. And I have hung to the statement that Vince McMahon is professional wrestling. Yes. Without Vince McMahon, we don't have pro wrestling. But his time, as with Al Davis, as with Jerry Jones, as with Joe Paterno, as with all these longtime legends in sports, there comes a time when it's time to go. Yeah. And it's been time for Vince to go. And, he, and we thought he did go. Well, because he got caught up in this in this hush money sex scandal, right? And he left. He retired. Yeah. And then he powered his way. And, and his son-in-law, Paul Levesque, was uh, running creative. And creative, for those of you who don't know, he's writing the script. Okay, right. He's writing the script because I don't know if you know this or not. Wrestling's predetermined, like a TV show, like a movie. Right. So he was the one that was writing creative and the storylines and the things coming from Paul Levesque's hand was really good. Yeah. Ratings up, interest is up, morale's up on the on on the performers. 
we come WrestleMania out of, was the most anticipated probably in 20 years. The biggest grossing box office they've had at WrestleMania maybe ever. A hundred, Almost 162,000 people. $21 million at the gate. Almost 162,000 people in attendance over the two days. So wrestling is back up. And then we find out that Vince is actually not a man of his word. And he was backstage Raw Monday. And things were happening happening Monday that had not happened since before SummerSlam of right. last year. Right. Show rewrites and things of that nature. I mean, for the most part, whenever Paul Levesque wrote Raw out, or his writers wrote Raw out, that's what you got there. You got this. Oh, this is what's happening. Okay, cool. And it didn't change. Right. Well, all these changes happen, so it looks like that Vince is not a man of his word, and, and he's an egotistical maniac, and he's coming back to sabotage his son, or his son-in-law, excuse me, and it and it really ticks me off. Yeah. Because I wasn't against Vince being there offering ideas, yeah. offering suggestions, giving critiques and criticism. You've, you've grown the business to what it is now. Like, I want to be able to to pick your brain on things. But the fact that he had an office set up and we we are led to believe that he's rewriting the script, that's bogus, man. Yeah. I maintain the hope that it was the day that the, the sale went through and he was maybe just doing a one last show riding off into the sunset type deal. I know it's a very slim hope, but it's well, kind of what my hope is. I told you that it'll be interesting to see next week, the week after. Like, next two or three weeks is pretty interesting. If we find out that Vince is backstage, has an office, and he's rewriting scripts, then he's 100% back. Yeah. And he's a pathological liar and is a worthless human. Yeah. And if that's the case, I will no longer watch. Well, and, you know, the thing that is kind of disturbing, though, is the fact that the guy that bought the WWE said that he wouldn't have done it if Vince wasn't there. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe that's... If if they think that buying the product with Vince running it is a better product, then they didn't do very good on their research as far as it comes to investment terms. So. Oh, no, you're 100% right. So, But anyways, other than that, WrestleMania was fantastic. And... Uh, the, there was a guy that I was uh, talking to on TikTok back and forth that kept saying that Cody was going to win. I told oh, him, yeah, I forgot about that. Have you he, responded to said guy that didn't have to? He posted a video saying, from corner to corner podcast was right, and I was wrong. Roman won. And I was like, yes! <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. So he's he's a fun guy. We talk back and forth quite a bit. Way to own and, up to your mistakes, buddy. Yeah. But so. if you'd have just listened to us, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it was it was pretty fun. So, anyways, we won't bore you with much more wrestling. Um, I got the dice here. Do you have your list? We could do a roll of dice. Do I have my Do I have my list? Who do you think I am? West Crouch? <laughs> yeah. No. Ooh, number two. Number Who two. does number two work for? Who does number two? Grab hold of something. We're going to get through this. My God, boy, what'd you eat? Um, well, it's it's interesting that you wrote this because we have now started 
a show sponsored by Community Trust Bank, yeah. our From Corner to Corner Coaches Corner. Yes. And this past week, well, this week actually, it dropped just a few days ago, we had Coach Dustin High of the Montgomery County Lady Indians basketball team, and he brought senior that's getting ready to graduate, Ella Rapp. Great interview. If you haven't had a chance to listen, make sure you go give that a listen. Yep. But I say it's interesting because you and I have done this quite a bit, but it would be interesting to see who you think. Okay. If you could interview a famous person, who would you choose and why? Um, oh, wow. That's, I mean, <laughs> Vince McMahon. Why did you lie to us? You, you liar. <laughs> um, man, I tell you, uh, we If I only had one person. One person. If you could interview a famous person, who would you choose? Vin Scully. Vin Scully, okay. Because Vin Scully. I mean, he has so much baseball knowledge and history. He's seen so many different things throughout history. I just think it would be a phenomenal conversation to to sit down and talk to the great Vin Scully. And if you don't know who Vin Scully is... Turn us I off. feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you, son. Got 99 problems, but knowing Vince Scully ain't one. <laughs> the look on your face right now, that was complete horror because you didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where you were going with that, but that was good. That Thank was you. That was really good. So. so what about you? Well, so initially, I think Jesus. Okay. I didn't know we could do dead people. So I, like, one famous person. Okay, you say, sorry. I was, I was thinking a lot. My hope is that I'm going to get to make it to heaven, right. and I'll get a chance to talk to Jesus. Yeah. So, if I could interview one person, I'm going to start with Numero Uno, man. I'm going to go George Washington. Yeah, I can see that. I almost said Caitlin Clark just for fun. No, but it really wasn't fun. It was it serious. Wasn't, it wasn't. Like that'll be like 100%. Sean would retire from podcasting and radio interviews if he could interview Caitlin Clark. So Caitlin, if you're listening, throw the man a bone here. All right, right. We'll tag her in this. So, um, but I, I told you last you're, year, you're a big fan of George Washington, huge fan of George in, Washington. in history in general. Yes. So I I told you last year, working as a social studies teacher, that I really got into early U.S. history, how we became a country, all that. And George Washington was at the forefront of all this. And we had a bunch of people who knew nothing about nothing. And they started a country. <laughs> like, like, just to pick his brain and listen to his thought process. And, I mean, we have documents of people that said the only reason we won battles and we stayed and we did and we fought was because we believed in George Washington. Yeah. So, just to, like, how do you get people to believe in you like that? Like, how, like, how did that happen? Yeah. And, you know, what your thought process was, and just, I think it would be an interesting interview to have, to be able to sit down with George Washington and pick his brain, much like you were talking about Vin Scully, and pick his brain about why why he did and thought the way that he did. You would have to, you would almost have to think that with George Washington, there had to be a level of confidence that nobody else exuded, you know, that he just... He had that it factor. <laughs> right. I mean, he had it. Yeah. I mean, like 
the American dream, baby, said about Roman Reigns. You have it. Yeah. You can't get rid of it. You can't wash it off. Yeah. You are it. Yeah. I mean, the only president to be two-time unanimous selection. And the people got mad when he said he wasn't running the third time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And he also had to, he said, listen, stay away from political parties in his farewell address. Stay away from political parties. They only lead to division and it leads ultimately to death, essentially. Yeah. And what happens as soon as he left office? We have political parties. And what have we been doing ever since? Fighting. Fighting. Yeah. And it's worse and worse more uh, every day. Yep. See? If we could go back and interview him, like you said, then we could figure out how do we eliminate these political parties. Right. So, no, that, that's a good one. And that's very fitting for you, for sure. I can so. see the Vince Scully one for you. Yeah. Part of me would like to interview, like, you know, you throw, I like. Mean, Abe Lincoln would be another great Abe one. Abe Lincoln would be a good one. Um, Luther King. Jackie Robinson. Uh, yeah. Well, see, now, had I known we, had I thought dead people, Jackie Robinson would have been the one. I mean,. Muhammad Ali, yeah, um, just a, a a number of guys. Yeah. So many great. people. I mean, but Jackie Robinson probably be my number two. Yeah, and for just 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 for what he had to go through. Yeah, you know, because you can't portray it in a movie. They try, but you can't really portray what he had to go through when he. When he made that jump into the major leagues, yeah, or um, he just died recently. What's the guy um, coached Texas Western uh, when they beat Kentucky in the national championship game? Oh, um, um, and he 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 played. He only played the black kids. Shoot, I can I, like I can see his face. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he would he'd be another good interview because yeah. he took such a jump. Yeah. Because you just didn't do that then. Yeah. It's not the way things were Haskins. done. Haskins. Yeah. Don Haskins. Don Haskins. That's just not what people did. Right. And and he truly I mean, even even the black kids that he recruited didn't believe him. Right. They're like, no, you're you're not you're gonna let me play right off the bat. Right. Bobby Joe said, yeah. No, I'm not gonna be your token black guy that you're gonna yeah. set to end the bench. And he's yeah. like, No, no, no. You got this twisted. I'm not only playing you, you're my starting point guard. Yeah. But just watching, and I, and I don't know if it's how true it is, but watching how they developed and, like, they had to trust him, but he also had to learn to trust them, too. Yeah. So he would he would also be a good interview. I mean, he was – him and Jackie Robinson were both trend centers or trend setters. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. anyways. So – before we wrap up, I got a solution letter today. What? I did. We haven't had one in a while. We have not. I mean, I was starting to think people weren't listening. Well, I, we got one, and uh, it's 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 pretty good. Well, let's 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 hear it. Let's see if the solution can be your solution. Yeah. Here we go, dear solution. That's me. I know you don't enjoy fantasy sports, but I love them. Oh, that's true. Heck, I live for them. The draft, the trading, the feeling of success. I love it all. With every new season comes new hope of a championship coming my way. Unfortunately, my baseball fantasy team isn't giving me a championship vibe so far. 
I'm ready to sell the whole dang team. My stars don't perform. My role players don't perform. Heck, nobody does. Is it too early in the season to panic, or should I just trade all my keepers and try to get younger and start for next year? Sincerely, T-Mac and Mount Sterling. Man, that's deep, T-Mac. And, you know, Solution usually has a song for this. And at first, there wasn't a song that popped into my mind. And then I remembered Billy Joe. Slow down, you crazy child. Take the phone off the hook and disappear for a while. It's all right. You can afford to lose a day or two. When will you realize Vienna waits for you? So my advice, T-Mac, man, just pump the brakes, baby. It's only a week and a half into the season. It ain't fire sale time yet. You do something crazy, like, you know, trade away Fernando Tatis Jr., when you don't have to, things will be all right. Listen, players get injured. They get hurt. They they start up. The World Baseball Classic just happened. You have players that haven't adjusted back from it yet. Calm down there, T Mac. Don't don't get don't get your panties in a bunch. Don't get you don't get your shoes all knotted and trip and fall. Do something ridiculous. I'm sure you've put the time in, you've put the work in. You know what's going on. You know that there's these these seasons within the seasons. You're hot and you're cold. You know, you know all that. You guys will be fine. I mean, unless, of course, you're playing in Sean's baseball league and a trade can benefit Sean, Adam, or Wes, then do that. Do that. <laughs> Sell your team. But just calm down, man. Don't 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 go too fast. Let let find out what you guys are gonna be. If we're having this conversation, if you write back in in six weeks and you're still, you know, on the the bottom end, then you may look at making some adjustments. A week and a half in, way too early. Yeah, there is 162 games in the season. 162. Yeah. So, great advice as always. Solution. <laughs> you know, that's what I do, baby. So, I'm just glad that people think enough of you and of the podcast to 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 write in and. And ask their questions. Right. I mean, listen, if, I mean, you, have, if you have a question. I would have ever thought that you would be like. The solution. The solution. I'm the solution. I'm trying to think of who the famous uh, one in the newspaper used to be. Uh, I want to say Dear Abby, but. I think it was Dear Abby, wasn't was it? Was it Dear Abby? Yeah. I don't remember. So, but anyways. You got anything else, boss man? I mean, the NBA playoffs are getting ready to start. Do you care about those? The Sacramento Kings are in the playoffs, won a division for the first time in a long time. And who's their starting backcourt? <laughs> it's all Kentucky. <laughs> the Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, yeah. who were at Kentucky and Cal couldn't win a national championship with. They also had Bam Adebayo on that team. Yeah, yeah. Sabonis is playing really well. Domitas Sabonis. Is. So I saw uh, there was a guy, I saw a video on TikTok. Dude, dude bet $30 on the Kings to win the division this year. He won $37,000 off that bet. That's a nice bet. Yeah, for 30 bucks. <laughs> well, so you and I both are fans of Roll for Sandwich, Adventures in Narnia, right? Yes. Uh, he just recently had a baby. Yes. Well, he didn't. His wife did. And he's been off for quite a bit. He hasn't been on there very long. Did you see the one the other day where he just kept rolling butter the bread and re-roll? And he went through a stick of butter and then quit? <laughs> no. No more butter. No more butter. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept rolling. He kept landing on 12. And he goes, more 
butter. <laughs> and he just quit. Yeah. Yeah, he ran out of butter. Ran out of butter. He said, it's yeah. done. It's over. Yeah. So now, He's fantastic. I don't know if you realize this or not, but that was on April Fool's Day, and it was a weighted dice. Was it? Yeah. Oh, you just disappointed me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was, at first, I didn't catch it. And then I was like, wait a minute. This is on, this is April Fool's Day. It has to be a weighted dice. I never even thought, I, I, I don't think I saw it on April Fool's Day. So, that's why I didn't realize. I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but... The probability of rolling that many 12s yeah. in a row yeah. is slim. Yeah. But it was hilarious. It was, it was, it, just his reaction was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm I mean, done. he used a stick of butter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently. But now, he doesn't do anything light. I no. mean, like if it has cucumber on the sandwich, he's got 15 pieces of cucumber well, on there. But if you, I never go to comments. You're a comments guy. Yeah. He gets he gets criticism and flack in the comments if people don't think he puts enough stuff on there. Yeah. So, like, he got he got uh, he got mad, or they got mad at him one time because he only put one piece of cheese on the sandwich. So now he puts like two or three on every sandwich he makes. Yeah. yeah. So that's why he goes heavy on all that stuff because people gripe. Yeah, and I'm like, I mean, I don't mind cucumber. I'm not eating it on my sandwich. But I certainly wouldn't put that much on there. I mean, like two, three slices is enough. Yeah. You know? And I'm I'm a two-cheese slice guy. I, I wanted to cover the whole sandwich. Um, he doesn't put as much meat on there as I would put. Yeah. You know, but then again, he's putting all these other things on there. Some of the, the toppings that he comes up with, it's like he's just randomly going down the aisle going, oh, that could probably work on a sandwich. I would like to. And it's social media. I don't know why we couldn't. I would like to reach out to him and see if we couldn't just talk to him. Yeah. Be like, we're interested in learning how you came to be. Yeah. Well, we've watched him grow. Yes. You you t- you turned me on to him. The first time we saw him, he was at, what, 400-something thousand followers? Yeah, he had several hundred thousand followers. He's up close to two million now. Yeah. And it's not really been that long. No. But, man, he's got all kinds of sponsorships and, you know. Fans send him dice all the time. He's just a regular guy. Just a regular dude. That just made making sandwiches. He loved fun. Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. And he took that thought process and t- took it to sandwiches. Speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, they sent him, like, this big old freaking uh, chest-looking thing from the movie. Yeah. He got to go see the movie preview a month before it That's was fantastic. even out. And, and I mean, it's like. And it's just so funny how how somebody can come up with just this little bitty niche, this little bitty idea, and all he is is just putting fate in the hands of some dice. Which is what he says. I let I let fate decide my lunch. Yeah, and he eats it. Yeah, whether good, Every bad, or, or indifferent, and, he eats and, it. And there have been some sandwiches that I've watched him eat, and I'm like, ain't no way in the world that he. There's time when he takes that first bite, and he's like, oh yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. Okay, it's not bad. And what's so he's done it for so long now. What's interesting about it is, is the fact that he like he knows what these toppings are going to taste. He like, knows the flavor profile. He knows what's going to work, and like if he ever has cucumbers, he goes, oh, it's going to add some crunch to this sandwich, but not much flavor. Yeah, and it's like. <laughs> Lettuce. He hates lettuce and he hates ketchup. He, he and, and I laugh every time he gets a sandwich that he has to put ketchup on. Yeah, yeah. But that's what's 
that's what's good about it. It's like you he doesn't just put things on there that he enjoys to eat. Right. He puts things on there that could be spicy, yep. that could have awful flavors. I mean, you and I have seen him put some sandwiches together that you're like, oh, dear Jesus, I would yeah, not. That'd go straight to the trash. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what makes it good is the fact that he does put toppings in there that most people would not eat. You know, there's well, things in there that he puts on his sandwiches that I wouldn't even buy. Like, I'm just going to let you know that if I was ever him and I was, tomatoes would never be on my list because if they're on the list and there's a chance they have to come up and you put them, and they come up, you have to put them on your sandwich. No, tomatoes would yeah. never be there. Yeah. Is there one topping or one that would be on a sandwich that you would never put on a list? Um, not saying seasonings because I'm sure there's a lot of seasonings out there. Right. The one absolute vegetable or something I would not put on there. I would not want jalapenos. I I'm not a I'm not a hot peppers guy. I'm not a hot pepper guy either. I would put jalapenos over over tomatoes. Obviously, I hate tomatoes. Yeah, that's 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 strong. And, I, and he's had like sardines and stuff before too. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want those. No, I like sardines. I wouldn't mind salmon. I don't mind tuna fish. He gets like all these weird tuna fishes that are all flavored and stuff like that. Um, I, and then some of the breads he has, I'm like, that's not even really bread. I think <laughs> I think my dessert. I think my favorite roll like is rice cakes is when he gets um, cinnamon raisin bread is on there quite a bit. Yeah, um, is when he gets um, leftovers as yes. the, as the meat. Yes, I enjoy that. Yeah, which has been. A wide variety of things. Yes, it's whatever. We've seen steak. I've seen French uh, fries, French fries, pizza. Yeah, you know. So that's that's always pretty fun. But yeah, and it, it is it is it is uh, it is pretty fun to watch. So if I know we've talked about him a lot on this show, if you haven't given him a a, a, a watch on TikTok, it's it's good. It's clean. It's like it's 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 sixty seconds, ninety seconds. Like yeah. it's not that long. Yeah. And it's he he only when he's when he's recording hot and heavy it's only five days a week it's Monday through Friday yeah and then he takes the a whole month of is it June yeah that he takes off June or July one and so he seems to be a good dude yeah him and Southern Dad and Justin Dangerly Danger Nunley Danger Nunley whatever those are my three favorite follows They're on good. TikTok Justin is hilarious yeah listen. Yeah, he'd be a guy that I would love to meet, like we met Southern Dad. Yeah. So, but anyways, anyways, another great show. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, if you did not listen to our coaches' show, be sure to go back and check that out. It was a great interview with them. And uh, man, we're growing. And That's what she said. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, and I, we appreciate everybody that listens. And uh, you know, if you haven't done it, follow us on socials and share us with your friends. And, guys, from our families to yours, I hope that you have a very happy Easter. Uh, if, you don't have a, if you don't have a church to go to somewhere, uh, please find one. If you, if you don't want to attend regularly this weekend, huge weekend to go. Uh, you know, it's the Super Bowl of it's, the church. It's the, it's the Super Bowl of the church, man. Yeah. So um, I, I pray that your family is healthy and well and that you have a fantastic Easter. And, as always, stay safe, friends. See you. The MoCo Four Horsemen would like to thank you for listening to From Corner to Corner. Be sure to go out and follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. 
whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on, be sure to go out and give us a five-star review. Thanks as always, and we look forward to seeing you next week.